Welcome to Achayim, Garden of Amuna class. Tonight's class is called Faith with All Your Might. And why is it called Faith with All Your Might? Because we are this week in the Torah portion of Ve'et Hanan, the second Torah portion of the book of Deuteronomy. And in that portion, towards the end, we have the first part of the Shema Yisrael. The Shema Yisrael is made up of three portions. The first part is in this week's Torah portion. And there's a very unique sentence in this week's Torah portion about the Shema that we do not have in the second part of the Shema. In the first part of the Shema, we're commanded to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. In the second Torah portion, it only mentions heart and soul. It doesn't mention might. There's something very unique in the commandment of v'chol me'odecha, with all your might. There's different interpretations to what the word me'odecha means. Uh, one interpretation is money. One interpretation is from the word mida, any attribute that God shines upon you, whether it be one of pleasant kindness, one of maybe unpleasant strictness. That's a second interpretation. But the simple interpretation is Bahoma Odecha with all your might. Now I, I do want to point out that prior to with all your might, it says with all your soul. And our sages say and Rashi explains it on the verse, what does it mean with all your soul? That even if he's taking your life away from you, God forbid, you still love God. You know <laughs> swords on the neck and you love God you're willing to give your life for God so that's level two and then we tell you not only should you love God with all your soul means be willing to die for him with love but more than that with all your might well, what exactly is more than giving life the most uh, the most innate intrinsic the most fundamental genetic reaction and the need of every single creation is survival no matter what you talk about. You talk about the plant, the plant will always, no matter if you do this in your house, you turn your plant around, the plant will turn itself around to get back to the sun. Um, you know, this, this is, survival is on all levels, is the most innate necessity. And here we're saying that, no, that's, to give away your life is, that's step B. Step C is to love God with all your might. And Chassidus, especially in our Rebbe, in our Rebbe of Blessed Memory's teachings in Maimorim, the Rebbe, very, very often I've seen the ones I've studied, goes to that Becholma Odecha. Sometimes the Rebbe kind of doesn't even spend too much time on the first two levels of love with all your heart and with all your, with all your soul. Uh, he goes straight to with all your might. Sometimes the Rebbe only explains that with all your heart and with all your soul, and you can see the gist of the mimer that it's getting there only to be able to appreciate Becholma Odecha with all your might. So there's all your might is a very unique, a very unique love. So I spoke to you tonight about faith, and now we're talking about love. So I wanna share with you one of the primary teachings. We've spoken about this before. I'm gonna go over it briefly so we can get into tonight's class. The Mazucha Magid asked a famous question. The whole commandment of love doesn't make sense. And the question is, can you command an emotion of the heart? For those of you who love the uh, sobbing Hollywood romance movies, 
many of them have that issue one's in love with the other and how do you get the other one to love you there are comedies built on that there's uh, the dream of love potions it's all because how do you get you love the one person how do you get the other person to love you it's a little bit of a situation here so that's a theme but in reality there's a question that Masrit Shemagad asked either I love God or I don't love God you can command me what I should think you can command me what I should say you can command me what I should do can you command the feeling? And that's the question. Via hafta Hashem alakach is a commandment. One of the six hundred thirteen commandments: You shall love God your God. It's one of the six commandments, which is called the duties of the heart. But how can you have a commandment like that? And the answer is that the commandment is not on the heart. The commandment's on the mind. For to know God is to be able to love God. The love of the unknown doesn't work. So the commandment that God tells you, you shall love God, your God, if we want to look at this commandment as an action verb, the action verb is know God, your God. Go out and study. Or go in and study. Learn. Learn about God's Torah. Learn about God's creation. Maimonides has a teaching that without some understanding of science, it's impossible to love God. Our Talmud tells us the only way you can measure the strength of a person is by weighing the rock he lifts. So too, to understand the greatness of God, it would be by studying his creation. We can't really have a direct discussion of God, a direct study of God. So we study through God's creation. We learn about the Creator. So the more you study, and then there's the study of Hasidus, to learn about whatever we can understand about God, and God's relationship to us. Studying this is actually the mitzvah of loving God. However, there's a mitzvah which is no God, Yudah God. Da et Hashem. No God. That mitzvah of knowing God is strictly on the brain. The mitzvah of loving God, your God, is to take the knowledge and to personalize it and to allow it to make the connection from brain to heart. So the action verb of the mitzvah of loving God, your God, is to know God. But the fulfillment of the mitzvah, the destiny when you can say, aha, I did the mitzvah, is when that knowledge doesn't just become an abstract knowledge. It's not just, you know, you're doing a thesis on, so you're looking up research, but rather personalization until the point where you unify the mind and the heart and the brain overflows into the heart. And that's why when you study Tanya, Dr. Rebbe struggles with this on different levels. And he talks about there are those that are able to have intellectual emotions that they really can so connect intellectually, become one with the concept. And here we're talking about the concept of divinity, the concept of God, the relationship we have with God, that automatically the intellect flows over. And then there are those that can't have that. There are those that have to rely on the emotion of the brain. It's not a feeling in the heart, but an intellectual yearning. They're very different things. There's an intellectual yearning. You know the greatness of God and you intellectually yearn. But can you say that you have the butterflies in your chest because you're feeling so in love with God? That's a different emotion. So there's another stage where you can't create the emotions in the heart but at least you can create intellectual yearning of wanting God. And then there's the other level where 
all you can really do is try to bring forth the pre-existing love that every single Jew has as an inheritance from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So the Altarebbe is struggling about this concept where it goes from the brain to the heart. To know God is very simple. Just go to a lecture, sit down, start opening up the books, start learning. But the process of knowing to the point of feeling, that's a whole different ball of wax. And Altarebbe is struggling with that. Altarebbe is struggling with it on many different levels. So what we're saying over here is that the gateway to emotion is the mind. And that's why when the, whenever Hashem commands an emotion, He's actually talking to the mind. What you should do is use your brain. I'm talking to your heart. But if you ask me, well, how do I do this? The answer is the brain. By the way, it's not only for love a positive commandment, thou shalt love God, your God, thou shalt love your fellow Jew, but it's also in the prohibition of fear. There's actually a prohibition for the Jew who's going to war to be afraid. It's a prohibition to be afraid to go to war when the Jewish army is going to war. And the Rambam again wants to know, <laughs> what do you mean afraid? You know how many men faint in the delivery room because they can't stand the sight of blood? And then you draft those guys to the army and <laughs> I'm prohibiting you to be afraid. Some people are, you know, it's chaotic. So what do you mean, don't be afraid? So Maimonides explains again. The prohibition is on the brain. When you allow your thoughts to wonder and to, ta and to start to ponder about the possibility of losing war, dying at war, then fear happens. So fear doesn't happen in the heart. It's first the brain. You control your thought pattern and automatically you control your feelings. So even by the prohibition, thou shalt not fear, the prohibition is on the brain. You know, I came up with this metaphor. So I'll take it at face value. When it comes to emotions, you can consider the emotion the metal hot pot, and the intellect is the handle. You can't touch a pot, you can't move a pot, you can't manipulate a pot. You have to use the handle. The handle to emotions is intellect. So anytime you're gonna find a commandment talking to the heart, you should know that the action involved is the brain. Whether it be the positive commandment of love God your God, love your fellow Jew, be afraid of God your God. There's a, there's a commandment actually to be afraid of the king. All these commandments are on the mind. And so to the prohibition, thou shalt not fear, is also on the mind. So what we're up to understanding over here is that the process of love God your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, is a commandment to the brain. Now, if we're talking about three different levels of love, then we're going to have to extrapolate from here that we're talking about three different types of meditations. Because if it's all about the brain, then why did love A reach with all your heart? Love B is actually love with all your soul willing to die, and level C is with all your might. I mean, if the process is simple, 
you learn, you study, you meditate, you concentrate, and then you give love, so why are we having different destinies? So obviously we're going to have to come to understand that we're talking about different meditations, different concentrations. Just like if I tell you love God your God is a commandment of the brain, and I tell you fear God your God is a commandment of the brain, then there's got to be two different meditations, one that leads you to love and one that leads you to fear. And this is explained very clearly in Chassidus. When I think about the personal closeness and compassion of God and that God is my life, then what are we going to have? Love. But if I think about the infinite greatness of God and how I am a minute speck, then what are you going to get? Awe. Fear. So again, if I tell you that intellect leads to emotions, and I'm telling you that there's different emotions to be led to, this isn't potluck. It's very clear. If you want to focus on loving God, it's one type of concentration, one type of study, one type of meditation. If you want to fear God, it's a different type of love, a different type of concentration, a different type of meditation. And they don't mix. I actually had a very interesting, someone sent me a PowerPoint play. And all the PowerPoint play does is, it keeps on backing up the camera from planet Earth. And basically you're realizing how in the first clip, Earth is the biggest thing in the world. And then as you back up and back up and back up and you see other planets and you see the galaxy and all of a sudden you start realizing, and then there's a question at the end. So how do we look from God's point of view? So obviously from God's point of view, we know from where God gave the Torah that this is the center of creation. This is where we place Adam and Eve. This is where Mount Sinai is. And this is where the Ten Commandments is. But that's an interesting process if you want to help yourself learn a little bit of awe. Because God isn't our best friend. God isn't our father. He's our king, our father. And they're very two different focuses. That our king gives birth to fear, awe, while the our father gives birth to love. So sometimes it's good to take a moment and do the study, concentration, and meditation, not of how close God to is to me, not how compassionate he is to me, not how he's my best friend and he's my father, but also sometimes to look at that PowerPoint and realize that, you know, when we talk about the infinite greatness of God and we talk about the very finite me with so many moral defects, it kind of puts things in perspective for a little bit of humility. Love, by the way, isn't triggered by humility. It's I love. Fear is more the outcome of humility, feeling insignificant in the face of greatness. You might have had this experience when you stand in front of an awesomely great person, you feel fear. Now this person has never lifted a hand to anyone, nor has he ever publicly embarrassed anyone. So what are you afraid of? It's a different type of fear. It's not the fear of retribution. It's the fear and that kind of borders with a very deep, respectful shame of insignificance in knowing thy place in front of greatness. So if I'm telling you that there's two types of distinct concentration, study, meditations, one will lead you to love, one will lead you to fear, I also need to state that if there's different destinations within love, it has got to be the outcome of different types of concentrations and meditations within the love meditation itself. So there's one type of meditation that will lead me to to love God with all my heart. Now what's the definition of all my heart? So let's refer again to Rashi, the most classic commentary. 
Rashi teaches us that the word it's interesting, sometimes you have the word lev, and sometimes you have the word levav. Levav enosh. You have double vet. Sometimes you have it just as one vet. And the difference is that when we talk about human beings, we'll very often use a double vet because the human has a double heart. When we talk about angels, we'll only talk about one vet because the angel only has one heart. The human has two sides of his heart, the right and the left, the godly soul and the animalistic soul, the spiritual feelings and the very corporal, material, sometimes coarse feelings. One comes from your godly side and one comes from your animalistic side. So when we say, Love God with all your heart, double vet. So Rashi tells us, the commandment is to love God with both sides of your heart. It's not enough just to be spiritually in love with God. We need to be physically in love with God. There is that feeling of excitement when we go to a Broadway show. Something you love. Oh my God, I love that actor. I love watching him. Then, you know, you feel the tingling. Can we also work ourselves that hearing a beautiful lecture or sitting by yourself and reading and learning a beautiful Torah can actually make you tingle? Can you walk away from a beautiful prayer the way you walk away from a restaurant where you just had a steak meal? In other words, let's stop. What Rashi is telling us is, let's stop making God abstract. Can we make God very practical in our life? Can we actually feel the love for God, not just on a spiritual level, where my soul, which is the candle of God, is yearning for God, but can I feel in moments of loneliness that physical companionship and love of God? That's a different type of love. Of course, when we all pray, we all love God. Of course, on Yom Kippur, we all love God. But how about when we go to the Bahamas? Do we love God? How about when right now I'm in desperate need of a hug? Can I have one from God? Can I feel it? Can it satisfy my needs? So when we talk about this concept of love, Rashi says, love God with all your heart, means with both sides of your heart. A, the abstractness of the spiritual soul, and on the other hand, we're talking about the passionate, tangible feeling of your animalistic soul. They're both two sides. Then we have, I told you, the Rashi on defining what the word of loving God with all your soul is, that even if God forbid he's taking away your life from you. And I can tell you, that I've clearly, unfortunately, witnessed this. You have people terminally ill with cancer. They have a date, so to speak. And instead of living in fear, anger, and resentment, they actually somehow, in that journey itself, find a very deep love for God. So there is this concept of loving God as he is taking your life from you, God forbid. Don't ask me to explain that, and I hope never to know. But with that being the case, there is such a thing. 
And then there's the love with all your might. Now, what I want to share with you tonight is that very often the Rebbe breaks the two categories into the three categories into two categories. The Rebbe places the love with all your heart, with all your might on one level, and then the Rebbe places it with all your might on a total different level. So even though with all your heart and all your might, it's two categories, it's two levels within the same category. The loving God with all your heart and all your soul is two levels in one category, while the loving God with all your might is a total different category. So within the concentration and the meditation itself, two of them are two levels of one category. The other one is a total different category. Now, to understand this is to understand why I call tonight's lecture faith of with all your might. It's a total different type of faith. When you learn the book Duties of Your Heart, and it talks about faith and trust. His approach is very tangible and practical because he wants us to get to the place where we trust in God in a very practical and tangible way. It reduces our stress level when we're going through health issues, family issues, financial issues. It literally reduces your stress because you have trust in God. And his entire approach is very practical. He talks about certain criterias that God needs to meet in order to earn your trust. And then he goes through whether God does or doesn't meet those criterias. He talks about trusting God versus the alchemist, which in his days was a big issue. The Chayvis Halavov, his duties to the heart. He has his gateways. Now what happens over here is that this practical approach begins with the I. In my world of I, there are criterias, and I'm going through the process of understanding that God meets all those criterias. But the focal point of that will always be starting with I, my capacity, my reality, and then introduce God into that. For example, the love of God with all your heart will always begin with the understanding that I love life. I will do anything to stay alive and then understand that God is my life. Love God your Lord because He is your life. So the process here is I, life, I love life, I am petrified of the demise of my life, and I know now through studying that God is life. Thus, I love God the way I love life. And the more you have a clarity and tangible taste of your love for life, that would automatically translate into a very tangible taste of love for God. By the way, you know, I do constantly um, the recovery program. That's one of the key things. One of the key things is to get an addict, an alcoholic, to stop hating self and stop hating life and stop yearning for suicide. 
And then the minute you can get an addict out of that place, so they will tell you that I don't want to ever drink in my life again because I love life and I want life. And why would I insult my life with this suicidal behavior? But before, before that person realizes I don't want to die, we got a problem. Kind of now bringing you to what we're talking about here. A person who does love life doesn't have a huge journey in his meditation, study, and concentration to love God. Because the minute he uncovers the fact that God is life, I love life equals I love God. And then there's the next stage where you realize living a life without God isn't worth living. And therefore I'm willing to give my life for God. But both of them come from the starting point of I. The process of Bechol Odecha from the very get-go is a total different approach. It does not begin with the I, it begins with God. And that's why in many of the Rebbe's discourses, you'll find that the word Bechol Odecha, love God with all your might, is actually the embodiment of the very first sentence that you said. Hero Israel, God is our God, God is one. It's not about me and what has God done for me lately. It's rather all about God. Now that paradigm shift from I to God is a divine revelation. Because if the center core of me is I, and who I love and who I don't love, all pretty much boils down to what have you done for me lately. And, and I share this with people. I'm in love with someone. And then I find out there's an absolute cologne of this person that lives in China. I will not love this person's cologne. Why won't I love this person's cologne? Because the person's cologne who lives in China means absolutely nothing to me. Ultimately, it isn't about the person that I love. It's what that person does for me, whether it be financially, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Now, the fact that there's the exact same carbon copy living in China who does nothing for me, why would I love that person? Falling back on today's Hayom Yom, I would quicker love my lover's love then I would love someone in China who's a carbon copy of my love. It's just that simple. Because if my person that I love has someone that they love, and that person makes a difference and puts a smile on the face, then I'm going to appreciate that person because that person makes my friend smile. While the person who's a carbon copy of the person I love lives in China, never did, never will see that person. Why would I love that person? So ultimately speaking, the foundation of love is I. The foundation of love is what have you done for me lately? And when people find love in God, that's really what it boils down to. He's my father. He saved me. He loves me. He carries me. But a, love, a God as great as he may be, who has not done anything for me lately, 
I won't love him. Because this process of love, faith, trust, all begins in what have you done for me? And that's one of the most difficult things in prayer. Because I personally am sick and tired of loving a God who split the sea for my great, 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 great grandfather 3,000 years ago when I can't pay my mortgage. So I'm totally cool that God's great. But why would I love my God who hasn't been doing anything for me but has been doing wonders for Moses? So that's why in the prayer it says clearly, Blessed are you, God, my God, God of my fathers. Because if you're not my God, I really love what you did for my father, but I need someone who's going to be my God. So my father had his God, but I need a God too. Because ultimately, ultimately speaking, I cannot trust a God whose last miracle happened three millenniums ago. I need a God who's here for me. And ultimately speaking, love, trust, faith, with all your heart, with all your might, is going to begin with me, and it's going to need to be answered by what have you done for me lately. The Bechoma Odecha paradigm is very different. It's where you're being told, listen boy, Shema Yisrael, listen boy, God is our God, God is one. A total different approach. It's not about what has God done for me lately, but it actually is the absoluteness of God and where I exist within God rather than, rather than where God exists within me. So the type of level of with all your might is even beyond giving your life for God. It's a total different experience. The faith that comes from Bechoma Odecha needs to come from a real divine revelation, a real spiritual awakening. Now normally when we talk the word spiritual awakening, especially in recovery rooms, it really is about your personalization with God. It's realizing that God is my father. When I thought God wasn't there for me, when I was being abused or when I, whatever it may be that I was going through that created this addiction or whatever it is who I am today. And I have the spiritual awakening. God was there. God was crying for me. God was holding my hand. And then God is telling me, come to me and we can walk away from this. But again, that's all me. That's one type of spiritual awakening. To love God with all your heart and with all your life. There's a total different love for God. It comes from the essence of your being that needs not any answers, needs not compassion. It just is one with God. The essence of our being is never asking, what has God done for me lately? Because the essence of our being is truly a piece of God. And in a certain way, the meditation and concentration of the first two levels of love is engagement. It's building, constructing, crystallizing. 
the power of the third process really is the process of getting out of the way. Shed. Shed the layers so that you can get to the essence. Because the essence has faith in God not through proof, not through vision, but through being. If this will help you understand this in any way, let me put it out there again. I've once shared with you that the Kabbalistic equation of an atheist is a piece of God telling God that God doesn't exist. If we can just follow that equation, we'll understand what I'm saying here. The essence is a piece of God. Does a piece of God need to be proven that God exists? Does a piece of God need to ask God, what have you done for me lately? All it really needs is that everything else should get out of the way. So the process of Bechome Odecha is really when you hear God tell you, listen boy, Shema Yisrael, let me tell you the facts that you deep down are Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. That type of faith is an unbelievable faith because it's not a compilation of, it's not an external imposition upon, it is the absolute nakedness of who we are when everything else gets out of the way. The process of that type of Yishma Yisrael is really opening yourself up, letting go completely, acknowledging what lies in the center of my being. You will find in the Talmud, when it came to a whole question about Passover, we're bringing the lamb on Shabbos, and they said, leave them, they are maminim b'nei ma'aminim. They are believers, the sons of believers. They'll know what to do. There is zero logic to that statement. Either you know what to do or you didn't know what to do. Or you, or you were taught that halacha or you weren't taught that halacha. But there's something deeper in the relationship between a Jew and God. So while we spend six days a week, shall we say, on the first two loves, work it, concentrate, learn. Just like you want to know everything about the person you love. You want to know what they think, what they feel. You want to have a crystal clear understanding of the relationship between you and them, them and you. That's the way the first six days works with God. You're reading up on God and just, you can't get enough. I want to know. I want to know everything about this God. I want to know what this God does for me. I want to know who this God is. I want to know, is he dear for me when I feel all alone? Is he capable of taking me out of my hell? That whole process. But then there's a Shabbat love where you stop working, where you stop running, where everything you've done for six days gives you the foundation to just let go. That's the love of with all your might. Because the deepest, deepest level of might is your essence. The untouchable, the unchangeable, the unbreakable. So two different processes. Let me wrap this up, guys. We're talking about love, and I'm also applying it to faith. We're talking about the process where you need to engage. We need to love God with all our heart. We need to love God with all our life. And basically that comes through a very engaged process of study, concentration, meditation, where I'm really focused on 
that God is my life. I now love life, therefore I love God. I so much connect the two that a life without God isn't life and I don't want to live that life. Then there's a total different process of love, which is Bechoma Odecha. It's where instead of getting into a shining suit of armor, you actually are taking off layers. You're reaching that place which is really a piece of God with all your might. That piece of you that doesn't need to learn and study and it's built upon. You don't get into level three without level one and two. Actually, to quote the Alter Rebbe Tanya, very seldom does such a miracle happen. It has happened in the past for Elizabeth Derdaya, a famous story, but normally it doesn't happen that way. But building on A and B, you then have to have a total paradigm shift. It's <laughs> quote the Rambam. You need to first eat milk and cheese separately, of course, before you go taking a, a stroll in the garden. So first you have to fill yourself up with the love of all your heart and all your life, which is actual eating meat and cheese. Eating in the world of Kabbalah is studying Torah. Torah is called bread. You need to study. You need to learn. You need to work out this relationship. You need to work out this God that you believe in, this God that you love, this God that is always here for you. But then after that, there's taking a stroll in the garden where it's not a, a, a strenuous engagement. It's kind of more of just letting go. Open yourself up. Stop getting in your way. Stop asking the what if, the but, the whys, or the whens. Just let it go. Let it flow from deep inside. And that's the part of you that all needs to hear is again, listen boy, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Olekeinu, Hashem Echad. And that's it for tonight, guys. Thank you.